Well, that just turned into... That was just butt cheeks, wasn't it? Fucking butt cheeks. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Here we go. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Welcome to Elton Reads a Book a Week, the only podcast that tirelessly dedicates a large portion of a human brain to uh, turning pages and spinning its tires. Mm. My name is Elton, and I read a book a week. The book I'm offering up this time is The Tizzard Mission, a riveting expose looking at the seedy underbelly of a banjo sex trafficking organization and the world leaders that profit from it. Of course, that's not what it is. Of course, I'm, I have to stop doing that. I guess um, it might be getting predictable. I don't know. I'll see. I have to slow down. I have to slow down. Anyway, those it's getting predictable. It's like the tides and getting shits from fast food. Anyway, I'm I'm toying with the format of this thing and the the timing of it and everything. I I think I might aim for every two weeks, maybe once a week is frankly crackhead logic. I thought I could do it, but hell, man. I mean, unless I'm on a steady diet of meth and Adderall, it's damn near impossible. I sink myself into these things, these episodes, like quicksand. I think I'm planning it out well, I got everything structured, and then boom, it falls to shit. Sorry about that. So bear with me. I'm trying to speed up the process, but I don't want to cut any corners that would affect the outcome of the final Outcome, because I like the out outcome. Well, most I like most of the outcome. And if you're interested in contributing and possibly speeding up and streamlining the process, feel free to do so at Patreon.com/slash/EltonReadsBookAWeek. All one word at the end there. And uh, there's extra episodes over there and extra stuff and a lot of the the leavings of uh of the stuff I edit out of this fucking thing. Because goddamn, I fuck up a lot, like a lot. All the fucking time. Thanks if you do. But for now, this is a book about a World War II mission that changed everyone's lives forever. <sighs> but you've probably never heard of the Tizzard Mission. It was pouring down rain in the Quasi City. The misery was so thick and frothy you could taste it. Like a broken-spirited whipped cream. It was a Tuesday. The dejected and hopeless rabble had taken up the regular spots in the Black Diamond Bar. So named because black is the pedestrian descriptor sloppily applied to the souls of men who long ago rotted from the inside out and have sought refuge inside the walls of darkened barrooms like this one. And diamond, because they're classy. The Black Diamond was hosting a theme night, the Dirty Thirties, a night to nostalgically celebrate the 1930s, the decade that brought the U.S. 25% joblessness, Joan Crawford's porno movie, and a worldwide depression. People in their 30s that are in the bar can drink for half price, so not all bad, right? I dressed with an eye for authenticity. I hid my portable recording thingy in my pocket and completed my ensemble with the donning of a tweed jacket, fedora, and a healthy fear of diarrhea. The bar room itself reeked of stale cigarettes, floor cleaner, old varnish, and drunks. 
Missing, however, was the faint aroma of the Black Diamond's delightful hot wings. Personally, I've never been a fan of wings, but I'll say the way they make theirs, there's something about them. Not too spicy, tang- I mean, a little tangy, but just the right amount about, you know, how, how can I describe? They, they, uh, they're like, uh, uh, <clears throat> it was odd that I couldn't smell them, is what I, uh, is what I was getting at. I made my way to my usual table in the back and immediately stubbed my toe. Pain flashed through my brain so intensely it was like a bright strobe light went off. Fucking table, I muttered. I limped over and sat down. This night just keeps getting better, I thought. A dazzling cherry atop a heaping shit pile. I'd finally bagged a real interview. We were going to talk about the Tizard Mission book by Stephen Phelps. Record the whole thing in pre-war dress and settings albeit fake, but whatever. It was a theme, man! A fucking... <sighs> Unfortunately, I got the no-show text from my interviewee. They were sick. They yammered incoherently about a steakhouse, everyone having melting arms and Benicio del Toro. You know what? They might have been tripping balls from fever. Yeah, no, that... You know, that explains the, the throwing up on the phone and, and all the screaming shit. Regardless, the interview was shot, so I resigned myself to a lonely night of self-loathing style drinking, as opposed to, you know, the celebratory kind. The difference being, as we all know, is the accidental urination finish while crying. Of course. I ordered up a Southern Comfort. Neat. Drank it. Ordered another. Drank that. Another. I mean, you get the idea. In my race to win my own drinkathon, I acted on the grandiose idea to make a drunken Elton Reads a Book a Week episode. I reached in my pocket, pulled out my portable mic recording thingy, and switched it on, and laid it by my hat on the table. I sipped a little more out of my tumbler, my head lolled back, and I closed my eyes. Soon lost in the hazy thoughts of how terrible it must have been to be an actor in the cast of ALF. Imagine owing your entire career and legacy to a furry puppet with a penis-shaped nose. Imagine that level of animosity that must just have just built over the years. The years. The fucking... The puppet is the cash cow of my life. Without the... Without that puppet, I'm basically homeless. Your whole career is pinned to on a puppet. It's guiding your career. What a fucking nightmare. I shifted in my chair... Did they get new chairs? My mind wandered back. I I looked around. I must be getting tanked. My thoughts blurred. Is that a different waitress? What happened to, uh... Damn it. What's her... What's her name? Uh... I started to raise my hand to inquire as to the whereabouts of Blondie McWhatserfuck when a man appeared. A flitting man. Kneading his black bowler hat in his nervous hands. He motioned for me. He made his way to the table. My rising hand instead shifted its intent to that of protest. This guy's coming to sit across from me? What the fuck? But my being half in the bag, you know, on the road to being shit-faced, my speed wasn't up to his, apparently, so the message never got through. To me, he said, Enough of that now, referring to my hand. Then he said, Oh, waitress, uh, a water for me and another of what he's drinking. He shook my hand. 
Hello there. My name is Reginald Dwight. I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. The man sat down across from me. What a lovely night, he continued. There's something about this time of year that's just darling, like an anticipation of something. I answered him with a dull look. I've been told you have important information to impart. I'm in... I'm in... I'm in... I'm in part... He studied me briefly, then leaned in closer. It's my understanding that you have information about the Tizard mission. I just read the the Tizard mission. mission. I just read a book about that. Oh, good. That should be helpful. I'm straight. Straight? I'm not sure what you... I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I don't, I don't have sex with men, uh, man. Oh, 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 no, 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 no don't get me wrong. No. There's not, there's nothing wrong with that. No. It's just that it's not something I'm, I'm, in, I'm not into yet. You know, though. To tell you the truth, there was a time when I thought I might be. I mean, but sex with a man does does nothing for me. You know, for me old dangly bits. No, no, oh boy, no. Oh no, I, no, I. Well, well, I'm not here for the other thing. I don't, I don't think I'd be a bottom. Is that, is that the lingo? You know, no lingo. No, no. But besides, I think my standards for, for who I would want to have sex with, were I gay, are wildly out of whack with reality. No, it's a, it's I about the Tizard. I'm gonna bang a model like a ripped six pack, fucking toned up model, like when the sells the underwear, that kind of, which to me means I'm not equipped. With I, I with a nat- I don't have a natural predilection, you know, to realistically navigate the the real world of said sexual inclination. You know, I like women. Were I to be gay, my standards would be ridiculously out of whack and like out of sync. I mean, I'd want models. Look at me. I'm not model material. Uh, I had to burp. It's about the mission. Sorry. The, the- <clears throat> Sorry. The mission I was told to talk to you about. The the Tizard mission. I need, uh... I'd like to, uh... Know about... Um... Oh, you so know. you're you're serious. Like, you're gonna... Like, you're gonna sit... You're gonna stay here. I, uh... Um... Uh, <laughs> I... P... P? Piss. I... Uh... The peeing... There, there's a, I have to, I have to, no, no, I, I don't, I don't, because this shit's weird, I'm not good at, you know, sorry, I'm terrible at talking to, uh, you, 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 you know, you, you, uh, uh, you, you surprised me, and I'm not good with, with mouth, with the mouth, the people, 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 I'm sorry, what is happening? I was gonna say I had to pee and make a quick exit. Which I realize now I still could have said and sounded convincing, but I fucked that up with this explanation, right? I'm not on drugs. Okay. I... Did I give you the impression... uh, Look, I'm sorry to inflict whatever that was. I'm just here to talk about the Tizard mission. Why would... Why? 
I'm supposed to meet a man here to talk about the Tizard mission. I, I was supposed to use a code word or something. Something about uh, pigeons sitting on Broadway or, or shitting. Pigeons shitting on Broadway? Can you imagine? Uh, of, of course there are. They're, they're all over. That's just stupid. Uh, I was told to meet a man at this location, at this table, at this time. Oh, oh dear God, I I could be getting people killed right now, g- giving away secrets. I, whoa, I whoa, could be whoa, hung. Whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down, I, calm down. Have a drink, have a drink. Have a drink, calm down. Oh, calm down, you. have a drink. Holy Father Fatballs. <laughs> Christ, that's whiskey uh, or something. Father Fatballs is right. That's a hundred proof southern comfort, son. I should have warned you, but, you know, sorry, I didn't say I wasn't drinking. <laughs> Just not on drugs. You kind of caught me off guard. Okay, so... So you're here to learn about the Tizard missions. Oh, God, thank you. Uh, uh, whew. Whew. Thank goodness for water. No, no, with the piss talk, I... I just... Uh, I thought you were retarded. What? Tizard mission. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, what, what do you want to know? E- everything, I guess. Everything? Uh, well, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, lucky for you, I just read it. I just read about it. So, anyway, the beginning. <clears throat> the beginning. Uh... It kind of all started before the Second World War. and The Second? Oh, maybe you shouldn't say that too loudly. Why not? not oh, God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, sure. Uh, whis- whispering. Should I whisper second from here on out? Or, or just say something like WW2? WW2 would suffice, I imagine. That might be best. Okay, well... Way back during World War... Way back during WW1. Wink, wink. I don't think you should have to mention winking. It's implied. Right. So, they, meaning the British, and the rest of the world, for that matter, were just figuring out how to murder each other using better machinery. You know, with shit like tanks, airplanes, and the toxic gases, along with the uh, usual toys of death. The biggest baddie of that bunch, as some were clever enough to predict would be the increased use of airplanes bombers in particular you know because regardless of the lack of universal revelation it was all very new very interesting stuff back then dropping bombs efficiently on people i mean fucking technology everyone was very excited i appreciate you taking the time i don't know much about this whole the whole I'm new to this. I'm unfamiliar with the standard operating, uh, you know. Uh, really, I'm lucky to be getting what I'm getting. You are nice enough, pleasant even. You're making this very easy. Thank you. Uh, please, do go on. Sorry. Okay, sure. You're, you're, wa- you're welcome. Uh, all right. <clears throat> uh, the big problem with the next big war. Huh? Huh? See what I did there? You see what I... You really don't have to do that. Okay. Wink, wink. I'll go on. With all the hostilities building in Europe at the time, mainly at the hands of an Austrian douchebag named Adolf... Hitler? Adolf Hitler. Okay. They were sure that should a war pop off at any moment, 
Planes, particularly bombers, like I said before, would be a pretty important element. What no one could figure out was how to detect incoming aircraft with any kind of accuracy. And, and, you know, far enough in advance that they could both warn people and do something about it. They needed some system to curtail as many surprise deaths from all the bombing, from people bombing their respective populations. Oh, I see. Yes. One would detect... uh, I'm interrupting. Excuse me. Well, the method they were using up to that point was more or less someone with binoculars literally looking around in the sky for them. Though, to be fair... Back then, the planes the Brits were using when bombing first came into high fashion were bi- and triplanes. They weren't too speedy, basically kites with engines. Frankly, someone spotting those flying death shedders with naked eyes isn't the best way to not get loads of people killed either. But, you know, you work with what you got, am I right? Up to that point, yes, I suppose you'd have to. Now, bi- and tri, you say? Yeah, bi- and tri-winged air, airplanes like the like the Red Baron jobs with double and triple wings stacked up on top of one another? Oh, sure, sure. The Red Baron. I must say I was a fan of his for a bit. Me too, but the, uh, the Snoopy version, you know. With the... I'm not familiar. With Snoopy? Wow, really? Are you retarded? No. Nope. It's none of my business. Okay, now with Hitler just starting to let everyone in on the secret that he was a gigantic asshole by, you know, swallowing up countries and by invading them. Britain took a long, hard look at its air force and decided it was shit. They hadn't updated their gear in a long fucking time. Hitler, on the other hand, made the creation of a new and powerful air force one of his principal aims, and it was getting noticed. The Spanish Civil War on April 26th in 1937 woke the world up. Germany's Condor Legion, in support of General Franco's attempt to overthrow the Republican government, attacked the town of Guernica. Guernica? I'm probably saying that wrong. Forgive me. Anyway, waves of bombers raining bombs and killing several hundred people was a game changer. And it inspired Picasso to paint a masterpiece, so... Really all bad? Yes. All bad. I think you would have thought so, too. You're probably right. Being that Nazi plans to rebuild its economy centered on rebuilding its military was a problem for Britain. Its armed forces were allowed to lag behind, and Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain believed Hitler would draw a line at taking on the Western powers. So, that didn't fucking help either. They had nothing but their binocular air defense system to warn people with, which for the guy with the binoculars would probably have been named Giles, and, you know, politely pointing out that the bombers, not only were they here, but they were now, at the end of his sentence, currently leveling London. Five years before Great Britain went to war, the Royal Air Force staged a mock aerial assault on London. The results fucking sucked. Their means of national defense was primitive at best. They were severely lagging, and in a, they had almost no time to catch up. No time. No time. Enter Sir Henry Tizard! Yes, 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 Tizard. He was, uh, 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 Person. You're a very strange one of those. Yes. He was most certainly a person. He was an English chemist, inventor, 
and rector of Imperial College, who developed the modern octane rating used to classify petrol, or as we Americans call it, gasoline. He helped develop fuel mixtures in WW1, and he was a pilot, which he became for scientific purposes. He helped to develop radar in WW2, and led the first serious studies of UFOs. UFOs? Yeah, yeah, space aliens and shit. I mean, UFO technically means unidentified flying objects, so more just random shit flying around than anything. But that's not really related to the Tizard mission. Well, I mean, not further than the guy being involved with both, anyway. He was a British scientist and a chairman of the Aeronautical Research Committee, which had propelled the development of radar. That's the part we're talking about. He was tapped by then, I mean, not quite Prime Minister Winston Churchill, to lead a committee to figure out a way to catch the fuck up. Tizard was instrumental in that he was one of a small band of scientists and civil servants who had the foresight to realize that the Nazi threat would not stop at the beaches of northern France. And if Britain didn't change its tune, Hitler's bombers would be clearing a path by leveling parts of Britain for an invasion of Britain. Good God, that's horrific. I'd say these guys were ahead of the curve. Tizard was a well-respected scientist that was tapped to develop an air defense system of some kind for Britain because a binocular guy in a fucking crow's nest shouting, the bombers are coming, the bombers are coming, wasn't going to cut it. So a committee was formed to feel out possible solutions and implement them as soon as possible. Initially, the British government was in search of a death ray. You got, yeah, a fucking death ray. Don't look at me like that. It was a fucking crazy shit. Something, they wanted something to zap. Zap. Incoming bad guys to death. Out of the fucking air. And maybe some ships. That shit. They couldn't suss out a long range, you know, really. A long range mortality beam. You know, because, come on, really? However... Via a brainstorming period and a realistic realization that they had no means of detecting unseen aircraft or shooting them down with a death beam. <sighs> they didn't know how to predict a, a flight pattern or just a shot to hit a moving target. A couple of ideas made the grade, though, of course, in retrospect, only one really made sense. The big one. Really, really important. Curiosity speaking here. If I may. Sure, what's up? Uh, the other ideas? Oh, yeah, hey, right. Uh, one turns out to be great, like I alluded to. The others, kind of stupid, if you ask me. Fucking death ray, man. And anyone that understands when can see why the other stuff is just nuts. I mean, but what's really crazy is that these ideas really went to war, so to speak with one another. It's loony. I mean, they both had the had a feeling of insanity wrapped up in a fantasy blanket. You know, the kind with wizards and dragons and shit. Never understood the appeal of that stuff. Dragons? Really? They're just too easy. You know, you have a problem with somebody? Bring in a dragon to wipe them out. Why mess with politics or culture or fucking world building? You know, character interactions? Fuck all that. And why fuck with that when you can just card in a dragon to fart fire on the whole thing and or, you know, and or someone to do a magic spell? Something like that. Really, it's... <clears throat> the ideas were... What? Oh, shit. Right. 
Sorry, I'm very passionate about <clears throat> deus ex machina dragons. You know, one of the popular ideas was to put mines in the air. Pardon, did you say mine in the air? No, I said mime. You know, the guys that don't say anything while acting out being trapped in a box. They wanted to dangle a bunch of French mimes in the air to distract the pilots. This was an idea? No, of course not. I said mines, like boom, you know, boom, explosions in the, you know, mines. They, the, the idea was to literally litter the air with floating bombs that the incoming bombers would fucking run into like a minefield floating in the sky. That bright idea actually gained some traction, believe it or not. It, it caused a schism in the group. It even threatened to kill the other great idea, which would eventually come out as the winning idea. A floating minefield wouldn't work. No, come on, how would that work? A sky filled with tiny parachuting bomblets slowly floating down or tying them onto balloons, maybe? Little fans, maybe, or something? I don't... You might have gotten better results with mimes, to be honest. At least they would keep themselves aloft and maybe sacrifice their bodies to the plane's propellers or something. Putting exploding mines in the air is bonkers. Jesus, did I just say bonkers? Anyway, floating mines in the sky is the exact idea you'd get if you locked a bunch of stoned high school juniors in a room, had them watch G.I. Joe cartoons all day, and then and then had them write out every plan they came up with about air defense. Creative? Yes. Workable? No. Plus, it wouldn't help them if Germany decided to send bombers at night. The British solution actually to spotting bombers at night was pretty funny too. Get this. Shine lights up in the sky. They were going to have the country have floodlights all over the ground. And then they were just going to flick them on to light up the sky so they could see the bombers coming down to rain death on them. I mean, goodness. You know, surprisingly, they actually wasted money on that. Why wouldn't... Uh, They'd already be bombing things by the time the lights saw them. Not to mention you'd be blinding your own pilots who were trying to shoot the bombers out of the sky. Right, right. I think I understand. Please go on. So the plan that eventually went out was, of course... Huh? Uh? Uh, uh huh? Steelskin. Steelskin. No, I no. no. No radar. Radar. Right, obviously. I'm sorry. Radar. Holy shit! Really? I thought English schools were good. In most ways, yes. Radar is a system of detecting the presence, direction, distance, and speed of aircraft, ships, and other objects by sending out pulses of high-frequency electromagnetic waves that are reflected off the object back to the, to the source. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, obviously, you know, in thinking about it, obviously that's what the uh, ray... Uh, radar. Yes, yes, correct. Radar is, obviously. Okay, radar was secretly developed by several nations leading up to WW2. The British, however, after settling on the idea of radar over, you know, cartoon bomb floating, they really threw their brains behind it. As Germany was pumping up their whole taking over Europe campaign, 
regardless of who was on board with that shit. They figured it was only a matter of time before Hitler was knocking on Britain's back door, ready to go in, sans lube, if you know what I mean. I don't. And wouldn't Germany's and the rest of Europe's positioning globally be at Britain's front door in that metaphor? I roll. You don't have to describe. Britain was in a hurry and soon had problems. Wave problems. Ocean? Radio. Radio, right. Right, obviously. Electromagnetic radio waves. The waves were too wide. They could only get them down to meters apart when they needed them to be centimeters apart. In an effort to shrink them down, they needed more and more power, which meant bigger and bigger equipment, none of which would fit in planes, which was the end game they were looking for. They needed all this to be airborne to detect incoming planes. Not only, you know, big radar stations on the ground would be doing this, but planes in the air could use onboard radar to detect planes in flight, you know, around them and shit, and find them and shoot them. But, you know, it, it, it turns out it was a hurdle that, that didn't seem to be surmountable. Hurdles often are. You're very strange. I'm not from here, so... After some deliberation and planning on how to do it, they surreptitiously turned to an ally who was being surreptitious in its interactions with Britain, as it was surreptitiously violating its announced policy of neutrality. Huh? Huh? <clears throat> so you're saying they were being... Surreptitious. Got it. Right. No. Right. I suspected as much given the wording used. That secretly contacted nation was the United States, of course. Only they weren't interested. Well, that's just rude, isn't it? I imagine, but there were a lot of politics at play. FDR understood what was happening, but everyone else wasn't on board yet. The country wanted to stay out of the war. FDR knew that they'd probably be drawn in one way or the other, so preparation should begin, at the very least, you know? On top of all that, Americans didn't see any advantage for themselves. If they were to share technological secrets back and forth with the Brits, they wanted something juicy. The British wanted the Norden bombsite, which the Americans had. It's a device that made dropping bombs far more accurate. You would think that accuracy didn't matter all that much with bombing things. Au contraire. Imagine, if you will, that you really want to bomb a dildo factory. A dildo factory? Wouldn't something like guns be more appropriate? Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, that makes more sense. A gun factory. You want to bomb a gun factory? Yes, you want to bomb a gun factory. So, you send out some bombers to light up the gun factory, only instead, you level a bunch of schools. My God! Hypothetically! Relax! Jesus! It could have been anything. A preschool full of puppies and blind kids or something. What is wrong with you? It's hypothetical, whatever. Actually, it's kind of funny that we're talking about puppies. Because when Germany invaded Poland and officially kicked off the war, you know, with Britain, uh, London evacuated, sending their children off to the countryside. And the pets were put down en masse. Oh, what a funny coincidence. Who would have, uh, it's, uh, anyway, back to, back to the thing. You, you level a school of blind puppies. Still... Why not? They're not going to die. They're not real. My God. You leveled blind puppy schools instead of the gun factory. 
So now, instead of hitting a military target, you've mown down a bunch of innocent blind puppies. Now, now they have even more reason to take the guns from the gun factory you missed to go to your country and avenge all the blind puppies that you blew up instead. You know, because you sent them all to puppy heaven. Hypothetical puppy heaven. All dogs go to heaven, even hypothetical ones. Besides, missing bombs is a waste of money. So the Brits really wanted to get in on that, you know, American bomb site, Norden thing. But they weren't ready to give it up yet. The Americans, that is. Besides, both sides were kind of skittish to deal with each other, fearing that not only would their secrets be leaked to the Germans, but the political fallout about the whole thing as well. On top of all this, the British were also looking for manufacturing help. Their tech and production capabilities were a little underwhelming. Regardless of all their needs, there wasn't much traction in making any exchange happen. The Americans figured they weren't getting a good deal, so why break international neutrality for nothing? That was, you know, until they happened upon the idea for the cavity magnetron, which is what makes small radar possible. Cavity. Cavity magnetron. It's a simple looking device whose operation is rather complex. It, it looks kind of like a cylinder of a Colt revolver. Anyway, two guys. Uh, named John Randall and Henry Boot came up with it. The inspiration was kind of serendipitous. Randall was on a vacation with his wife and son in the Welsh seaside resort of Aberystwyth. While there, he visited a second-hand bookstore and came across an English translation of Heinrich Hertz's seminal work, Electrical Waves. It sounds like a fucking techno album. Anyway. The book includes an account of the famous spark gap experiment in which Hertz succeeded in generating high-frequency radio oscillation across a gap in a small loop of wire. Randall imagined extending it into three dimensions. Next, back at the lab, Randall and Boot figured why not combine a number of cavities around a central cathode to multiply the effect. Obviously. <sighs> It helped to solve their power, size, and wavelength problem. The cavity magnetron allowed miniaturization of radar, tipping the balance against U-boats in the battle in the Atlantic. Tipping the balance against U-boats in the battle in the Atlantic. It also led to the proximity fuse, enabling precision of anti-aircraft fire and dramatically reducing the threat posed by Japanese planes to Allied ships in the Pacific. The design of Whittle's jet engine and somewhat less well-known countermeasures against German radar. Great! It's fantastic. Yep, pretty damn great, I'd say. After developing it further, they finally had something good to entice the Americans with. And they got on board with it. And they got on board with the secret exchange Tizard had in mind. Actually, Archibald Hild, a Nobel Prize-winning biophysicist, encouraged him to give America Britain secrets. All of them. Phenomenal! He and Hill submitted a proposal for a meet with the U.S. to Churchill on May 10, 1940. A little over a month later, it was approved. Tizard and his team of six settled on a metal box to carry the secrets in, which was no larger than a suitcase, and they carted their military tech secrets and cavity magnetron prototype. It was Eddie Bowen's more developed version of the cavity magnetron. It was uh, number 12. They sent along the A-bomb memorandum, the plans for Whittle's turbojet engine, the design for the VT or variable time fuse, which allowed timed bombs to detonate automatically. 
as well as reams of blueprints and documents on everything from rockets to gun sites to chemical warfare. They also included combat film showing the devastation Germany was laying down. You know, it was all in an effort to convince Americans to come help him with this whole war thing. Remarkable. Tizard flew to the U.S. first, and two weeks later, on August 28th, Bowen followed with the metal box. He sailed and was told to toss that fucking box should they encounter U-boats, you know, and get attacked. The box had small holes drilled in it so it would sink. Later, in September, they met with the Americans to give them the secrets. They were impressed. They understood that the cavity magnetron was a revolutionary device. It made radar fit into an airplane for fuck's sake. The, the Americans opened up a lot to Tizard and his crew after that, showing them U.S. training methods, giving them access to RCA, America's Doppler radar, and Bell Labs. However, one thing Tizard wanted in exchange was the Norden bombsite. The Americans said, fuck no. Because they feared Germans would get their hands on it. You know, plane crashes and Germans go, oh, what's this shit? Anyway... They did, they did give them the external specs, you know, to create a something so that they could use it on British planes, you know, for potential future use. All in all, it wasn't a bad haul for Tizard and the British. I'd say you are correct. Oh, oh dear. Uh, hey, your alarm is going off over your, do you hear that? Your alarm's going off, y- huh? Yes, uh, I'm afraid our time has run out, Elton. Ah. I was having fun. It was Reg. It was Reg. Reginald, right? Y- Reginald? Yes, that's right? me. That's your, name? that's your name. Let's get you up, my good what? man. You have to be what on for? your way. Hey, hey, hey! I never told you my name, Reginald. I know you didn't. Uh, um, How do you know? I'll explain in good time, uh, Elton. I promise. Uh, oh, 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 you're slumping down. Why? Like why are you? What? Um, uh, okay, uh, fine, fine. Uh, uh, goodness. Look around you, Elton. But please do it quietly and quickly. Do you notice anything different? Yeah, the waitress, right? And the, and the chairs. They're like a weird red leather now instead of the, uh... The torn plastic. The green. The torn green plastic. Right, yeah, 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 the green... Plastic. The green... Everything. Everything is different here. I've been trying to distract you from it, having you tell me about Tizard and his mission. But now it's very important that you get out of that door there. Uh, soon. I- immediately. What's outside the door, I Reginald? I didn't mind the time. I didn't mind the time. Look, um, you... Okay, let's get you up. You have to move now. What? Uh, let's get you... To the door. What? Uh, out. Uh, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yes. Yes. No, you that have makes. To go, Elton. Shit, that makes no. I'll explain in good time, Elton. I promise. Uh, What's outside the door? Uh, uh, your, uh, y- your own time, Elton. Are, are you high right now? No. It, this bar is different. This bar is different. You question the oddness because it it's the same bar you visited before, just uh younger. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. It does when 
When you've uh, inadvertently traveled in time. You're you're serious right now? What the fuck? The fuck? Yes, Elton, very serious. The year here is 1934. Holy shit. You need to leave, or, or you may never leave. You may never leave. How? How? Holy shit. How? Yes, holy how, shit indeed. How? That door, the, the back one. Uh, off, off you oh, go. Oh, fuck. Oh, I didn't fuck up all the time in the universe or anything, did I? I mean, I, mean, I just had a few drinks and I talked to you. Oh, shit. All will be explained later. Go, Elton. You'll, you'll know soon enough. Oh, shit. The recorder. Oh, damn it. The recording. Here, here, All now right, go. Um, go. Thanks, Reginald. Uh, You're welcome now. Now go, damn you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of Elton Reads a Book a Week. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it. Hey, if you've hung out this long, I implore you to contribute to the podcast on patreon.com slash Elton Reads a Book a Week. That's all one word at the end there. All contributions go back into the podcast for better equipment, maybe even eventually guests if I can convince them to come on and something, you know. Hell, maybe, you know what, maybe even you. Uh, as a Patreon contributor, maybe you can be a featured character in the podcast. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, oh, I'm at Twitter at uh, Elton Reads A Lot. It's all one word. And on Instagram at Elton Reads A Book A Week. Again, one big long ass word. So um, be sure to be sure to like the Elton Reads A Book A Week Facebook page, which is at uh, Facebook.com. Elton Reads Too Much. Tell me books you'd like me to read and turn into these, whatever these are. Help me come up with a description for the podcast because that's a pain in the ass and I'm not really sure I, I probably don't do it right. All right. <clears throat> Seriously, though, like it, add it, share it, you know, all the social media shit. Thanks again for listening. And when you have, uh, when you have the time, read a book, huh? For real this time, read a book. Don't let them die out. All right? Later. Thank you. Bye.